It's a concept that many people struggle to embrace or understand. But once you get it, a lot of issues in health will become clearer and you can save yourself a considerable amount of time, effort, and money. The idea is to get away from the idea of treating health conditions. That sounds confusing, I know. This is the approach used in pharmaceuticals and employed by most doctors. If, for instance, blood glucose is high, drugs like insulin, metformin, or a GLP-1 agonist like Wegovy or Ozempic is introduced to force blood glucose down. If blood pressure is high, a drug such as a thiazide diuretic, beta blocker, or ACE inhibitor is prescribed to reduce blood pressure. If there's an inflammatory or autoimmune condition, they pick a single inflammatory mediator and block it. But there are major drawbacks to approaching health in this way that I'll discuss in this episode of the Defiant Health Podcast. Instead, I would like you to consider a completely different approach. Rather than try to improve some health measure with a pharmaceutical or even a medical procedure, I would suggest that we instead address and correct the common factors that allow such health conditions to emerge in the first place. I'll explain what that means, but it means that this approach cannot just reduce blood glucose or blood pressure or reverse many inflammatory or autoimmune conditions, but can also result in weight loss, loss of abdominal visceral fat, reduce inflammation, improve insulin resistance, restore youthful characteristics, smooth your skin, restore healthy musculature, and provide other effects that yield benefits that go beyond the original issue. It's not uncommon, for example, to take this approach for, say, weight loss, but find yourself no longer a type 2 diabetic or pre-diabetic, or no longer hypertensive, while enjoying relief from multiple forms of skin rashes, irritable bowel syndrome, fatty liver, anxiety or depression, and hundreds of other conditions, despite having introduced no effort at treating these conditions. So, in this episode of Defiant Health, let's discuss this radically different approach to health. I'd like to also tell you about Defiant Health's sponsors, Paleo Valley and BiotaQuest. Paleo Valley is our preferred source for many excellent foods, such as fermented beef, pork, and chicken sticks, sourced from organic pastured animals, bone broth protein, and delicious low-carb superfood bars. BiotaQuest is my preferred source of quality probiotics, crafted by academic microbiologist Dr. Raul Cano, probiotics created with attention to collaborative metabolic effects among microbes, the only probiotics available with this built-in feature. So the pharmaceutical model is the one that is widely practiced in healthcare and practiced by mainstream doctors. Identify an abnormal parameter and use a pharmaceutical or procedure to correct it, to address it. If it's high blood pressure, antihypertensive medication is introduced. It could be high cholesterol, for which a statin cholesterol drug is prescribed. It could be an autoimmune or inflammatory condition, such as rheumatoid arthritis or psoriatic arthritis, for which a costly biologic agent, often injectable, to block some mediator of that process that's administered. It could be a GLP-1 agonist, such as Wegovy or Ozempic, or a bariatric procedure to address overweight or obesity. But there are fundamental and sometimes severe, even life-threatening problems with this approach. One common problem with the pharmaceutical approach is that all the phenomena that surround a specific condition are not addressed by the, by the treatment introduced. For example, in reducing high blood pressure, 
with antihypertensive drugs, regardless of the form. It could be a thiazide diuretic like chlorothalidone or hydrochlorothiazide. It could be a beta blocker like metoprolol or atenolol. It could be an ACE inhibitor like lisinopril. Well, all those drugs do indeed reduce blood pressure and thereby reduce risk for heart attack, stroke, kidney disease, aortic disease, and other problems. But here's the problem with that approach. Even if normal blood pressure is achieved with any of those drugs, risk for all those conditions persists. Let me say that again. Even if normal blood pressure is achieved on those drugs, increased risk for heart disease, stroke, kidney disease, etc., all persist. Or how about a statin cholesterol drug to reduce total and LDL cholesterol to low levels? Well, that may be the case, and it reduces cardiovascular risk a little teensy-weensy bit, by the way, far less than is often discussed by doctors and the pharmaceutical industry. But even if you do enjoy a lower total or LDL cholesterol, you're still at significant risk for heart disease because other causes are not addressed. Other causes for heart disease are not addressed by that statin drug. Causes such as insulin resistance that statins actually make worse. That's why there's more type 2 diabetes and prediabetes while taking a statin drug. It does not address inflammation. It doesn't address vitamin D deficiency or lack of omega-3 fatty acids or magnesium deficiency or dysbiosis, colonic dysbiosis and endotoxemia or thyroid dysfunction. In other words, that statin cholesterol drug just helped improve a single marker, cholesterol, did not address all the other, in fact, made some of them worse. So a statin drug is not the final answer to heart disease. So all the phenomena surrounding heart disease risk are not fully addressed by that statin drug. How about a drug, a biologic, a very expensive and very toxic drug, such as a tumor necrosis factor blocker that's being introduced, say, for psoriatic arthritis or rheumatoid arthritis? Well, it may block that one mediator, TNF-alpha, but it does nothing for the hugely disrupted gastrointestinal microbiome that likely initiated the disease, nor does it address the vitamin D deficiency, the omega-3 fatty acid deficiency that allowed inflammation to proceed unchecked as those diseases. So over and over again, drugs treat one aspect of a condition, but fails to address all the other phenomena, other, other associated phenomena that surround that condition. A related problem with the pharmaceutical approach is that the initiating cause is typically not addressed at all and is, in fact, almost always ignored. So if someone has bone thinning, that is osteopenia, or the worst situation of osteoporosis, and if the cause is included, vitamin D deficiency and magnesium deficiency, which are known to cause bone thinning, coupled with loss of gastrointestinal microbes that provoke oxytocin release, oxytocin being a master control over bone density, these causes are simply not addressed by a prescription for Fosamax or Boniva. In other words, if the bone thinning was initiated because of those missing factors, vitamin D, magnesium, oxytocin, the drug does nothing for those causes. It works by a different mechanism. And of course, you're subject to all the nasty side effects of those drugs. If you have the pain and suffering of fibromyalgia and it's partially suppressed by the awful drug Cymbalta or Lyrica, what about the severe small intestinal bacterial overgrowth or SIBO and the accompanying endotoxemia that initiate the condition? Well, those are completely not addressed or even made worse by the drugs. So once again, the drug does not address the inciting cause, the initiating cause. And because the underlying gastrointestinal process that started this condition has been ignored, this sets the person up. Though they may have less pain from the drug, 
This person has, a, has been set up for weight gain, type 2 diabetes, other autoimmune conditions, cognitive impairment, diverticular disease, colon cancer. So not addressing the original cause, the initiating cause, is a big mistake. But that is commonly done in the world of pharmaceuticals when they try to treat conditions. Another major fundamental problem with the pharmaceutical model of treatment is that side effects and unanticipated effects commonly developed. Think about the marked increase in potential for developing type 2 diabetes with statin cholesterol drugs. Or how about sudden cardiac death that results from taking a thiazide diuretic because of loss of potassium magnesium in the urine? Or how about the kidney failure and bleeding stomach ulcers that commonly result from taking naproxen ibuprofen chronically for back pain? Or the increase in thyroid cancer, bowel obstruction, and the dramatic loss of muscle mass with GLP-1 agonists that ensure long-term health problems, including, by the way, regain of the weight. So you likely already know that the pharmaceutical model of treating conditions is a hotbed of potential for unanticipated or adverse events, sometimes dangerous events. So let's take an entirely different, a radically different approach. And let's, instead of treating conditions, let's address factors that are lacking in modern life that allow abnormal health conditions to emerge in the first place. Let's talk about that further when we come back after a little discussion about the Defiant Health sponsors. The Defiant Health Podcast is sponsored by Paleo Valley, makers of delicious grass-fed beef sticks, healthy snack bars, and other products. We're very picky around here and insist that any product we consider has no junk ingredients like carrageenan, carboxymethylcellulose, sucralose, and of course, no added sugars. All Paleo Valley products contain no gluten nor grains. In fact, I find Paleo Valley products among the cleanest in their category. One of the habits I urge everyone to get into is to include at least one, if not several, servings of fermented foods per day in their lifestyles. Unlike nearly all other beef sticks available, Paleo Valley grass-fed beef sticks are all naturally fermented, meaning they contain probiotic bacterial species. And now Paleo Valley is expanding their Wild Pastures program that provides 100% grass-fed, grass-finished pastured beef and pastured chicken and pork, raised without herbicides or pesticides. And they just added wild-caught seafood caught from the waters of Bristol Bay, Alaska. Among their other new products are pasture-raised fermented pork sticks, chocolate-flavored grass-fed bone broth protein, and grass-fed organ complex in capsule form, and new essential electrolytes in powder form to add to potassium and magnesium intake available in orange, lemon, and melon flavors. And for the fall and winter season, they've brought back pumpkin spice superfood bars. Listeners to the Defiant Health Podcast receive a 15% discount by going to paleovalley.com backwards slash Defiant Health. And I'd like to welcome Defiant Health's newest sponsor, BiotaQuest. I've had numerous conversations with BiotaQuest founders, Martha Carlin and academic microbiologist, Dr. Raul Cano. They have formulated unique synergistic probiotic products that incorporate what are called collaborative or guild effects. That is, groups of microbes that collaborate with each other via specific metabolites, potentially providing synergistic benefits. They have designed their Sugar Shift probiotic to support healthy blood sugars, Simple Slumber to support sleep, Ideal Immunity to support a healthy immune response, Heart Centered 
that supports several aspects of heart health. An antibiotic antidote designed to support recovery of the gastrointestinal microbiome after a course of antibiotics. The BiotiQuest probiotics are, I believe, among the most effective of all probiotic choices for specific health effects. Enter the discount code UNDOC15, U-N-D-O-C, all caps, 15, for a 15% discount for Defiant Health listeners. So rather than treat conditions by blocking some pathway or mediator in a pathway or blocking some phenomenon like high blood cluster or blood sugar or blood pressure, let's instead address factors that allow all these conditions to emerge in the first place. The first thing we tackle, of course, is diet. We revert back to the diet that is programmed into the human genetic code. In other words, humans have lived on this planet for several million years, and there's a very specific style of eating that is programmed into your genetics. This is true for all creatures on the planet. Imagine, for instance, you see a lion tackle a gazelle or a wildebeest, tear its throat open, open the abdomen and chest, and eat the heart, liver, kidneys, and intestines. And you see this and you're disgusted. The lion has fragments of organs on his mouth and blood dripping. So you cage the animal, the the lion, and you feed it kale and spinach. What's going to happen to that lion? Well, it'll be dead probably in a few weeks or so because you have violated the style of eating programmed into this genetic, genetic code that serves its physiologic needs. Humans are no different. And for the first several million years, the first several thousand generations, humans hunted and gathered. They did not cultivate nor harvest wheat or grains. So wheat and grains are very recent additions to the human diet, even ancestral forms of wheat, such as einkorn wheat from before biblical times, caused problems in humans who consumed it, caused, for instance, explosion arthritis, tooth decay, and uh, mineral deficiencies. But it got a lot worse with modern agribusiness because they introduced extensive changes into the plant's genetics. It took thousands of experiments to do this, but the end result was a high-yield semi-dwarf strain of wheat that is very harmful to modern humans. The gliadin protein, for instance, people say gluten, but it's really the gliadin within gluten. The gliadin protein now causes fourfold more celiac disease, more so-called non-celiac gluten sensitivity. The amylopectin A carbohydrate causes extravagant rise in blood sugar and thereby uh, contributes to weight gain, type 2 diabetes, and other uh, phenomena that are caused by insulin resistance. There's wheat germaglutinin that is a potent bowel toxin and is responsible for intestinal inflammation. There's phytates that bind minerals in your gut, minerals such as magnesium, iron, zinc, and calcium, and cause you to pass them into the toilet. So even if you're eating a healthy diet, you are mineral deficient. Banishing all wheat and grains, that is reverting back to the diet that humans have followed for more than 99% of our time on this planet, reverses numerous health conditions. It contributes to reversing weight gain and obesity. It reduces blood sugar, reverses type 2 diabetes in many instances, reverses prediabetes, reduces blood pressure, yields many gastrointestinal benefits. So just that change in diet provides you with enormous advantage in reclaiming control over health. And by the way, you'll end up doing the opposite of what dietary guidelines and what most physicians and dietitians tell you. Of course, telling you to cut your fat and saturated fat, eat plenty of healthy whole grains. A very destructive message that no one should be following. We also address nutrients that are largely lacking in modern life that, in combination, 
Yield improvement. When restored, yield improvements in insulin resistance and inflammation. There's four major ones. There's some others, but the four, there's four major nutrients that are lacking in modern life. Vitamin D, magnesium, iodine, and omega-3. Vitamin D, because we lead our lives indoors, we wear clothes that cover much of the surface air of our skin, and you're not exposed to the sun to activate vitamin D in the skin. We get very little vitamin D from diet. There's a little bit in eggs, there's a little bit in liver and some other organs, but there's essentially very little in diet. So we rely on the sun. But most many of us live in a northern climate and work indoors and wear clothing, so we can't rely on getting sun for everybody. If you live in a tropical climate, you could, but in most areas of the world, you cannot. So we supplement vitamin D, and that contributes to reversing all those phenomena, insulin resistance and inflammation, as well as providing many other benefits like increased bone density, that reduced triglycerides, reduced fatty liver, protection from winter blues, and many other benefits. Omega-3 fatty acids were supposed to be obtained by human consumption of brain matter from the animals we killed, as well as fish. Well, no one eats brain anymore. Modern people are so averse because we've been told cut your fat and cholesterol, and modern people have become too squeamish about eating brain. It would be nice if we get plenty of omega-3 fatty acids, EPA and DHA, by eating as much fish as we'd like, but you can't. In a modern world, modern fish is contaminated by mercury and shellfish by cadmium, both of which can accumulate and have toxic effects as they accumulate in your body. So we resort to omega-3 fatty acids that also makes a contribution to reversing inflammation, insulin resistance, and has many other beneficial effects, such as reduced risk for cognitive impairment and dementia, as well as reducing endotoxemia because it activates an enzyme lining your intestines that uh, partially deactivates the endotoxin from bacteria. There's iodine that is lacking in many people. Most modern people were getting their iodine from iodized salt. Ever since 1924, when the FDA found that the science showed that lack of iodine, that was a big problem, a major public health problem in many parts of the country and other parts of the world, was causing goiters or enlarged thyroid glands in the neck. As many as 60 to 70% in some locations of the population had a goiter. And goiters were dangerous. They could compress your airway and you could suffocate. Or you develop incapacitating hypothyroidism, gain a lot of weight, retain a lot of edema, and then finally die of congestive heart failure or go into a coma. That's called myxedema coma. And so iodine lack was a big problem solved by iodine. Of course, the FDA was concerned in the 1970s and 80s that their original advice to consume lots of iodized salt was backfiring and people were having problems with the salt. What they did not realize was that their other advice to cut fat and cholesterol and eat more healthy whole grains coupled with the increased proliferation and availability of processed foods, caused insulin resistance that in turn causes sodium retention. So they laid the blame on the wrong thing. It wasn't the salt that was largely to blame. It was dietary advice that led to insulin resistance and sodium retention. So when you get rid of foods that cause insulin resistance, wheat and grains and sugar, and you address factors, nutrients lacking, that also address insulin resistance and thereby sodium retention, we don't limit salt or sodium. But we need to get our iodine from a more secure source. If you get it from iodized salt, unfortunately, you open that canister and the iodine evaporates or volatilizes within about four weeks. So if you're going to use iodized salt, you simply have to buy a new canister every four weeks. So an easier and very inexpensive thing to do is just buy iodine supplements, such as kelp tablets, dried seaweed, or potassium iodide drops. 
And then lastly, because we have to filter our water and because modern produce has about 90% less magnesium than it used to. So we're getting almost no magnesium in our diet. So we need to supplement magnesium. And likewise, like the other nutrients, magnesium supplementation contributes to normalization or minimization of insulin resistance and inflammation, as well as having other beneficial effects, such as reduction in blood pressure, reduction in abnormal heart rhythms, and it increases bone density, protecting you from bone thinning. Put those four nutrients together and you get a wonderful synergistic effect in reversing or minimizing insulin resistance and inflammation. Even better, combine the restoration of those four nutrients with the diet where we remove foods that cause insulin resistance and inflammation, wheat grains and sugars, and you have an extremely powerful combination. Let's take it even further. We have to accept that modern people have massively disrupted their gastrointestinal microbiome. That is the composition of microbes in the GI tract. So our exposure, our overexposure to antibiotics. So most people by age 40 have taken 30 courses on average of antibiotics for every 1,000 children. There's over 1,300 prescriptions written every year for an antibiotic. So we've all been exposed as a society to a massive quantity of antibiotics. Plus there's other factors, food additives like preservatives. Preservatives inhibit growth of microbes in food, but also in you. Emulsifying agents that cause mixing of food, chemicals such as polysorbate 80 and carboxymethylcellulose and carrageenan that keep foods like ice cream and salad dressing mixed, but also disperse your mucus barrier in your gastrointestinal tract, which changes the microbiome and increases inflammation body-wide. There's other factors that disrupt your microbiome, such as stomach acid blocking drugs, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs like ibuprofen and naproxen, glyphosate residues in wheat and other foods, other herbicides, other pesticides. And there's a long list of factors that disrupt your intestinal barrier and your gastrointestinal microbiome. If for a full list, see my super gut book or my drdavisinfinitehealth.com, where there's a complete list of all the factors that you need to know about that can disrupt your GI microbiome. So we work to restore a normal microbiome. Another problem though, is that many people, by my estimation, easily, easily, 50% of the U.S. population has allowed fecal microbes. These are microbial species like E. coli and Salmonella and Citrobacter and Campylobacter and Pseudomonas. These are typical pathogens, but they also normally live in your colon, the last four to five feet of your gastrointestinal tract. But in about 50% of the population, there's been an overproliferation from all those factors we're exposed to allowed overpopulation of those fecal microbes. And then remarkably, they have been allowed to ascend into the 24 feet of small intestine. That is called small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, SIBO or SIBO, we say. That afflicts about 150 million Americans now. And if you want to know how I got that number, see my super gut book or my drdavisinfinitehealth.com blog or see prior episodes of this Defiant Health podcast where I talk about SIBO and how as a society we've allowed fecal microbes to invade the 24 feet of small intestine. Now that's a very important process, this process of SIBO, because the small intestine is by design very permeable because that's where we absorb nutrients like minerals and vitamins and amino acids and fatty acids. So the small intestine needs to be permeable, but it is poorly suited to housing trillions of fecal microbes. So trillions of fecal microbes inhabiting the 24 feet of small intestine live and die 
in a matter of hours. Those microbes don't live very long. They live and die, and when they die, they shed some of their components. One important component is called lipopolysaccharide endotoxin, or LPS endotoxin. And that endotoxin penetrates the very permeable small intestine and gets into your bloodstream. And that's where it exports inflammation and insulin resistance to all parts of the body. Lo and behold, it's now clear that SIBO and endotoxemia are the driving factors in so many health conditions, such as atrial fibrillation, coronary disease, stroke, Parkinson's disease, Alzheimer's dementia, and cognitive impairment, type 2 diabetes and prediabetes, hypertension, fatty liver, depression, anger and hatred, autoimmune conditions, and other inflammatory conditions. In other words, any modern condition is incompletely addressed if you do not address at least colonic dysbiosis, that is, disruption of microbial species confined to the colon, or SIBO in the small intestine. So if your atrial fibrillation, for instance, or your coronary disease, or your hypertension, or your depression, or anxiety, uh, hatred, or, or rosacea, or psoriasis, or rheumatoid arthritis, is driven, at least in part, by SIBO and endotoxemia, giving you a drug to block some inflammatory pathway, or a drug to reduce blood pressure, or a drug to slow your heart rate and atrial fibrillation, you can imagine this does not even come close to addressing the underlying causes and associated phenomena. So the pharmaceutical model of a drug for every condition is deeply flawed and very dangerous and leads to all kinds of unanticipated problems because the underlying cause has not been addressed. I hope you begin to appreciate that this idea that we address the factors that allow disease to emerge in the first place is a much more powerful way to address health than simply targeting a limited phenomenon that's associated with some condition, like high blood pressure, high blood sugar. Now, there are conditions where this is not possible. This won't help. For instance, if there's been irreversible damage to your pancreatic beta cells, those are the cells that produce insulin, because you ate the gliadin protein of wheat and you were vitamin D deficient, the two major causes of type 1 diabetes, those cells don't grow back. Pancreatic beta cells don't grow back, and you are type 1 diabetic for a lifetime. You are therefore dependent on the insulin and insulin's life-saving. So you have no choice because you damaged or lost pancreatic beta cells. If you ate the gliadin protein of wheat or had unrecognized H. pylori in your stomach, he'll go back to pylori, that caused atrophy of your stomach and killed off the parietal cells in the stomach that produce stomach acid, you don't get that back. And you therefore have to follow strategies that acidify the stomach. The most common is betaine hydrochloride, a supplement called betaine hydrochloride to acidify the stomach. You'll also have to supplement vitamin B12 because the lack of stomach, natural stomach acid impairs your ability to absorb vitamin B12. But you can appreciate that a person who's lost the capacity to produce stomach acid needs to rely on other strategies to compensate. Or let's say you develop spontaneous Clostridium difficile enterocolitis. Spontaneous is really a misnomer. I think, I believe that the evidence suggests that if you develop so-called spontaneous C. diff, that is C. diff that occurs without a preceding antibiotic, it's likely due to SIBO. So if somebody gives you lots and lots of antibiotics or even a fecal transplant to treat your C. diff enterocolitis, they have not addressed the dysbiosis or the SIBO that allowed that condition to occur in the first place. And if you do not address the SIBO, you're asking for long-term trouble because uncorrected SIBO and endotoxemia that accompanies it drives insulin resistance, 
inflammation, and thereby a long list of modern health conditions, including weight gain, obesity, diabetes, hypertension, atrial fibrillation, depression, etc. All those conditions I've mentioned. In fact, you could argue that virtually every modern condition, not injury, not infection. So I'm not saying that malaria and dengue fever are caused by these things. And of course, not breaking your leg by falling out of a tree or chasing an animal. But the things that the conditions we're familiar with, the conditions that are all around you, in your family, maybe, in your friends, in your co-workers, the people with type 2 diabetes, obesity, heart disease, depression, all those common health conditions are simply not fully addressed and are only corrected in a limited way by the modern pharmaceutical approach. So addressing the factors that cause these conditions, or at least make them much worse, is a far more effective way to deal with these health conditions. The great thing about that is once you get this, and you address all those factors, diet, those four nutrients, and the microbiome. By the way, we also take a little further by restoring nutrients that are largely lacking in modern life because of the silly advice to cut your fat and cut your cholesterol. Another thing that people abandoned was organ meats, and thereby collagen and hyaluronic acid. Collagen is very rich in organ meats. Hyaluronic acid is also rich in organ meats such as brain and skin. Well, most people don't eat those organ meats anymore, so you're very collagen deficient. Hyaluronic acid deficient. That has implications also. They're not quite as powerful as those previous things, the nutrients and diet and microbiome, but they do have significant effects. And they have effects that are youth restoring and anti-aging. Collagen, for instance, smooths your skin by increasing dermal collagen. Collagen also rebuilds the cartilage in your joints and restores the collagen in your arteries, making them healthier. The hyaluronic acid is a great lubricant in skin because it holds water, but it also further stimulates collagen deposition. It also increases the lubricant in your joints, the so-called synovial fluid, and it improves eye health and arterial health also. If all this interests you, this approach to correcting factors that allow disease to emerge in the first place interests you, I invite you to take a look at my books, the Wheat Belly books, Super Gut, Look at my blog, my drdavisinfinitehealth.com, with over 2,000 articles on these topics. Listen to prior episodes of my Defiant Health podcast, where you are right now, and I detail all these things. How to do the diet, how to bake, how to shop, what foods to avoid, how to make pizza, how to make donuts, how to make muffins and other foods so you don't feel like you're missing out on anything, how to replace the nutrients in what dosage, how to manage your microbiome, your gastrointestinal microbiome. We have something called SIBO yogurt. That is a fermentation process we follow that has been extremely and unexpectedly successful in eradicating SIBO. And then how to address collagen and hyaluronic acid. All detailed in all those places. I make it very available. I didn't go through that now for the sake of time, but you can find it elsewhere in many of my other media productions. Now, if you learn something new, by listening to this Defiant Health podcast, I invite you to subscribe to your favorite podcast directory, post a review, post a comment, help us build this movement of self-empowerment and health that, that keeps you free of the clutches of the healthcare system. Thanks for listening.